This is Tyler Terrence, and you're listening to Steal Some Time. Hello and welcome to Steal Some Time, Season 3, Episode 6, Ready to Rock. I'm Kelsey Steele, joined by my co-host, Scott Stewart. Stu, how are we doing on this fine Wednesday? I mean, fantastic. You know, shorter week, got to celebrate Memorial Day um, and really honor Memorial Day more than celebrate is probably the, the right term to do it. But yeah, I mean, it was a nice, um, nice long weekend and certainly appreciate everybody's sacrifice to allow us to be able to enjoy that long weekend. That being said, a slight delay um, with the pod this week as we observed Memorial Day, uh, but we're here and ready to talk some USL championship action. So let's get into some headlines from this past uh, week. June 1st kicked off, which means uh, Pride Month is officially underway here across the USL championship community. Playing for Pride is back. Um, for, for those of you who, who aren't familiar with this activation, this is a, a campaign that was led by Austin Deleuze, uh, formerly North Carolina FC. Now, um, I believe he's still on the mic for them as well over in, in League One initiative that he leads to, to raise money for um, for for Pride. And um, it's it, it's really, I think, one of the coolest things to come out of the USL championship. And you'll see throughout the month, so many players joining, uh, joining the cause, donating as well. Every player kind of does it differently. One might be, you know, I'll, I'll donate 50 bucks for every goal scored or um, every every three points, I'll donate five bucks, whatever it may be. Um, but, but obviously uh, a really great initiative there and one that we love to see every year across the league. And um, you guys can go over to, to the USL championship page. We'll have a piece out on that, that this week where you guys can get um, information on how to participate as well. Um, but overall, just happy to see this one back scott yeah i think uh, you know a lot of the same people participating year after year but um even a, a growing number so all for equality all for um you know making people feel welcome and inclusive in the game that we all love to see played every week um and so i think you can go to a lot of the team pages are promoting their athletes that are doing that but i think you can just go to, to playing for pride's website and get a full running list of everybody who's activating um, and if you feel so inclined be a part of the cause. They've got an active Twitter too. So for those of you who are, you know, social media savvy, you can, you can hit them up there too, with a lot of info. So excited to see that one take off and looking forward to that um, final number here at the end of the month. That being said, lots of activations too uh, across the league from the team side. Um, obviously can't hit them all today, but, but one of them that I thought um, was, was really um, interesting and telling what was out of New Mexico United, who's um, really taking action and taking a step forward this month. So their front office players, technical staff they're all going to be participating in a trans 101 training um and then as details are finalized it sounds like they're going to open that up to the community as well to take part in, in a free training so um, i think that's where we're seeing some change here scott is that uh, we're seeing clubs and players do action or or you know get involved in the community rather than um, just talk about it. And I think that's what's really telling this year is, is kind of seeing those steps forward. Yeah, I mean, I think that this is the this is very much akin to um, the United Against Racism campaign and educational components. I mean, there's, there's obviously a staunch difference between um, saying you want to learn something and then actually going out and learning about it. So I'm uh, you know, New Mexico is obviously one of the more progressive clubs I think we have in the league. So I'm, I'm a little surprised um, that they are the ones sort of leading the charge in this space specifically. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, actions are always going to speak louder than words. And that's a, that's across the board. So I think we're going to see a lot of that this month, but hopefully we see a lot of that throughout the season as well. This isn't just about 30 days for, for one thing over another. Um, so yeah, we'll see what comes of the, of the rest of June. That being said, let's roll into uh, more positive stories this week. I've got a little bit of a different um, take on our positive story this week, Scott. So just just hear me out. I came across um, an article that was just featuring positive news of myths being debunked. So some of these things that we grew up hearing that you just always kind of lived by um, are actually inaccurate. Um, so I've got a few to, to share with you this week, and I just thought it would be um, a good chance for us to have a, a nice laugh and maybe be a little surprised too along the way. Um, so I don't know if you've heard of uh, this first one. So have you ever heard of the fact that every human um, swallows eight spiders a year when yeah. they're sleeping at night? Yeah. So that's a myth. That is not true. Um, there's no way, their big thing is like, there's no way to prove that that actually happens. Um, so very adamant that we do not in fact swallow eight spiders a year. Maybe you don't swallow any at all. So that was a little relief for me. I was okay <laughs> about hearing that one. <laughs> that one was great. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Um, going out in the cold will give you a cold that's yeah heard that all the time as a child all the time especially with a wet head um that is not true um uh viruses um that cause cold spread more easily um in lower temperatures and exposure to cold and dry air may adversely impact the body's immune system to fight off viruses mm. so thought that one um was very interesting have you heard the one where um I, I speaking from experience here because my significant other's bald. Um, but uh, there's that big line of like heat escapes through the head. And so it's yeah. like, you're always like so much colder because like there's, you know, don't have any hair to keep you warm. Yeah. That's actually a myth. Um, experts claim that only 10% of body heat's actually lost that way because it's such a relatively small surface. So the next time that somebody tries to tell you that like they're losing heat because they don't have a hat on, like that is inaccurate. Um, and that one like really made me <laughs> that was a big one especially when we were kids like if we were going to go out in the snow we were my mom was always like you gotta have like a beanie you gotta have like a hat on because if not you're gonna end up like one catching a cold so yeah. we can yep. double whammy on that one but two you're not gonna be as warm as you need to be um i was just glad i thought some of these were gonna like wreck my childhood and like cause me to like go into years of therapy or something. <laughs> These are these are much more positive. I mean, I know they're positive, but they're they're not as earth shattering as I was, you know, I'm glad they're not as earth shattering as I was anticipating. Yeah, it's just some of those things where like I've never questioned, you know, like I just assumed because whether my parents told me or like a teacher told me, whatever, that it just must be right. Um, so so never never thought twice about it. I have to bring this one up because um I'm a big friends junkie. Do you like the show Friends? Yeah. Um, so their reunion just came out. So they, and it's talking about some of their favorite episodes. And one of the episodes they highlighted was when um, Joey, <laughs> this is such a great episode. Um, Monica got stung by a jellyfish in the ocean. And uh, the big line where Joey comes out and he's like, that's right, I stepped up. And, uh, you know, 
tries to to take um, the the sting out um, by urinating on her, um, but that's actually a myth, which I found out. So that can actually make the sting even worse if you do that. So all these people who think they're just like stepping up and being the Joey's out there and helping their friends, you might actually make your friend be even more pain. So that one absolutely cracked me up. Yeah, and save yourself the public embarrassment too. Like <laughs> in that. Yeah. <laughs> I could read through all of these, um, but but I'm not going to. I just I, I love um, the the MythBusters theme, and, and I thought that would be fun to bring to the show today. So um, I've got plenty more where that came from. Just holler at me if, if you need. I'm happy happy to provide um, that if you can. Yeah, um, let's let's talk some restaurants, Scott, because um, I I would want to keep on with that that pride month theme this week and every um week during june we're going to spotlight lgbtq plus restaurants and, and usl markets all through the month of june this month i figured how better way to start this out than spotlighting tampa bay or more specifically right down the street from Alang in st petersburg florida so uh the library is one of my favorite spots in st pete H have you been there Stu? Plenty of times, yes. Plenty of times. So, you, so you can speak to this. It's a super innovative restaurant. So it's inspired by John Hopkins and Gregory Peabody, but it's an actual library-esque theme, you guys. Like inside, when you walk in there, very like velvet, colorful chairs. There's books everywhere. Um, it's a really eclectic, cool vibe. Um, but, but LGBTQ owned in my opinion, the best brunch in St. Petersburg, um, Florida. So if you're visiting, I highly, highly recommend. Um, but if you're going for, for dinner or whatever, maybe super cool cocktails as well. Um, all in all, an incredible establishment, one that's always popping in, in St. Pete too. Um, no, no lack of um, buzz there at the library. Um, as ironic as that might, might sound, um, but definitely thought that was a, a nice one for us to, to get the, the theme going this month too. Yeah, I love the library. I highly recommend. Um, I actually didn't know that they were LGBTQ owned until I didn't either. Um, there's been quite a few. I think like the Tampa Bay um, Journal did a feature on LGBTQ restaurants, but mm -hmm. Open Table, who like you can make reservations through and stuff, they've done. Um, they like if you go on their website, they highlighted all of the LGBTQ restaurants on Open Table um, on their website, so you can go through there all across the country and find um, who owns those uh, restaurants, which I thought was so cool. Yeah, that's that is extremely unique, and now I know um, that you know my skin salmon money going to the library is well used. So exactly. yeah. That's great. You, you don't leave the library hungry. That's for sure. No. Um, love that. Check out the library if you're in or near um, the, the Tampa Bay region. You will not regret it. Let's talk some USL championship action. Week six is uh, done and dusted. Scott, your biggest result from this past week. Um, in terms of like significance, I would say probably... I'm, I'm caught between two minds because I think Indy taking the the lead in the Central Division was a really, really big one. Um, and that Lippa FC game, I mean, they they had gone a long time without experiencing victory. I think like May 10 games. 5th, yeah, May 5th, 2018 was probably the last time that they would have had a win there. Were you but, surprised uh, by that number? What? I did not know it was 10 games since they had, had beaten Louisville. Like, because so many of these meetings have been so competitive that I just – you don't realize that it had been really so heavy on Louisville's side. 
Yeah, I think it's it's difficult because Indy's drawn some of those, like even going back to the Eastern Conference Final, but ultimately they lost the Eastern Conference Final. So you don't look at like it was a draw through extra time. All of that semantics, though. Um, I'm only not surprised because I lived it and I saw <laughs> like firsthand create that culture of dominance over Indy. Um, but yeah, I think that was a big one. But I, I think in terms of a turnaround, San Diego beating Las Vegas and potentially finding a lifeline this early on, whether that creates like some real genuine momentum for them or not. I'm, I mean, obviously it, it remains to be seen for all of us, but I think that one was big enough just because they had gone through a really tough stretch, both from a squad selection standpoint and from just the, the sheer um, talent in the teams that they were playing so for them to, to host Vegas, I mean, it's their first game back in San Diego. For them to be able to get a win there, I think, is a much needed confidence boost. And now, like, less for the Indies of the world, more definitely for San Diego is what are you going to do from here? Because, I mean, they had obviously been beaten down so frequently for the first five, six weeks of the season. Now this has potential to turn it around for them. So I'd say for... For one team, that's probably my biggest one from week six. Corey Herzog gets his first goal of the season. And if there's anything scary in the USL championship, it's if Corey Herzog gets going. We've yeah. seen the, the damage that um, that he did in that attack with, with Reno. And I can only imagine that if he gets going in San Diego, that's dangerous. And I, I imagine that's what they're hoping, right? That that kind of spurs a little bit of momentum for that attack. But that's the first one of the season. You have to think that that night they came back into locker room and it's almost like, Thank God, you know, because there were so many close calls over the last few weeks, games that they could have won or should have won or that they were in, you know, that last heartbreak. I mean, it's, it's got to, you have to think that this is going into week seven. They've got to bring some confidence with them. And I think more than anything, those first three points of the season are so valuable and getting them changes everything. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, they've got to turn around and go to Phoenix which is not going to be an easy test as anybody who's played Phoenix um, is able to tell you. But I think you can think of it one of two ways, right? And my hope is that San Diego thinks of it the second way. The first way is, man, we really left it late. We barely got out by the skin of our teeth. Like it took us to the 87th minute to beat Las Vegas, who is, you know, not exactly the most promising side out of the Western Conference. Or you can see it as, we might have left it late, but wow, that last minute winner brings just that much more adrenaline into the situation. And hopefully, you know, even though they did leave it to the final couple of minutes, hopefully, like you said, their feeling in the locker room was more of like elation, like, okay, yes, we finally got over the line. We finally got to taste victory. Now let's go do something. Um, but I mean, if it's more of the first one, this is always going to speak to your team's short-term and long-term mentality. And that's one thing that, you know, we hear Landon Donovan talk about a lot is his guys are so strong mentally. They're strong physically. They know how to put together a good performance, but this is the type of win that reinforces that strength and mentality um, ahead of what will surely be one of their multiple biggest tests of the season um, in a trip to Phoenix. What a bummer. I mean, of all teams to, to face coming out of the first one of the season, it's Phoenix. Um, and that brings me right into my buy or sell, uh, Scott. So San Diego, 
you're going to buy or sell that they pick up momentum and come out of this weekend with a point. I'm not saying three points, but a point against Phoenix Rising. No, I, I mean, I sell it just because I don't think I've ever been bought into a team in the West more than I am Phoenix right now. Mm. Um, I think that, you know, we kind of talked about it when they played each other earlier, but there's no reason not to be all in on Tampa Bay and there's no reason not to be all in on Phoenix, right? I think, you know, hearing from um, Santi Moar, which I know we will shortly, he is, he talked post game about just the fact that, you know, they had to, um, they had to be very calculated. And that shows me that this Phoenix side isn't so ignorant of the fact that they do have to sometimes adapt their style of play to the team that they're playing, that they're just going to go zero to 100 from minute one to 90, right? Like they can't just be all out attack, sort of loose all over the field. They knew that Sacramento was going to be different. There's no reason why Phoenix shouldn't have the exact same confidence against San Diego, a team they've already experienced um, victory over this year. So unfortunately for San Diego, I've got to sell that one just because I'm, I'm buying Phoenix every chance that I get. It's so hard to bet against them at this point. You know, like, I, I think like when we had our, our early days conversation, our, our season preview, they're the easy buy, right. You know, like they're in, in Tampa Bay as well. And so it's like, I remember going through that process for, for myself and I'm like, I gotta think outside the box here. Like, you know, you just Phoenix is so easy. Like we can't keep picking them every single year, but as Santi will we'll talk about later on too, it, there's, there's no other option. Like mm-hmm. this team is the team to be, and they, they continue to prove it. Um, so I, I, I don't, I don't think you're wrong there. I, I am curious to see how San Diego responds, what they do differently um, going into to, to week seven. But um, listen, you can argue that no one's had a harder, a hotter start to the season than uh, Santimo are. So it was obvious for us. We had to get him on the show this week. He scored now in six straight games. That's, that's going back to, to the 2021 season, regular season final. Um, so he just had an incredible start to 2021, only one loss on that record, of course. So Santi's going to join us right after the break. Don't go anywhere. This one is going to be fun. Hey everybody, this is Matt Van Ogle of the Birmingham Legion, and we are here with Steel Sometime. Welcome back to Steel Sometime. I'm Kelsey Steele, now joined by Phoenix Rising, Santi Moore. Santi, thanks for hopping on the pod today. Thank you for having me, guys. You and I have had a, a few chances now to interact um, over your time in New Mexico and now Phoenix. So since we have you on today, I thought it'd be a great way to kind of kick off the show with a little superlative challenge for you kind of, you know, get, get things, uh, you know, a a little nice and easy here. Um, So I've got five superlative questions for you. And what you've got to do in this is name the teammate at Phoenix rising FC that matches with the corresponding question. All right. Sounds good. Sound good. Okay, cool. Number one, who's the teammate that absolutely loves the camera? Like if there's a group pick, this guy's front and center. I'll say uh, Joey Farrell. Oh, that makes, that makes complete sense. I don't think anyone's surprised by that. (laughs) (laughs) That was so quick. (laughs) Yeah, because I was talking to him a few days ago. He has 
so many good pictures after he scored against Vegas. Yeah. With his hair, with his he love he loves those those good pictures and he knows where the camera is at all times. So that's why I picked Joey Farrell. <laughs> Got a knack for it. Okay, I love it. Number two, the brains. Who's the smartest guy that you've ever played with? And this could be soccer IQ or just human natural IQ. Mm-hmm. This is interesting. Uh I'll say, I mean, James Chambers. I think James Chambers, he was very, very smart. Uh, how he led, how he interacted with everybody in the Philadelphia Union uh, organization. Uh, obviously, very, very high uh, soccer IQ, seeing the, the spaces, the ball. And, you know, I think he's a, he's a great guy. And obviously, right now, he's a coach. So, yeah. uh, I would say James obviously a, a big name to come out of the championship. It feels like years ago at this point that you were with uh, Bethlehem Steel. Does it kind of feel like it's a, a lifetime ago for you too? Don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> now I feel older now, but no, it, it, it was like probably four or four, five, five years ago. So, yeah. I mean, it feels like a long time. A lot, a lot of things happened since then, but, you know, yeah, it's, it's, I want to feel young. So don't tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Number three. This is my favorite question. Which teammate would you never let date your sister? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, this is a lot of things will pop up. I think the question. <laughs> I, th- I think the question should be which teammate you would let your 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 sister uh, date. Okay. You know? Okay. Yeah. I, I that, that, that should be a, that should be a question because the amount of team is that I wouldn't let my my sister date is a is a big number so oh my god I love that I don't know I don't know we we have this question all the time in, in yeah. the locker room yeah we you know it's it's difficult to find a to find somebody it's a tricky question okay I, so I, then I who think. would be your go-to then if you had to set your sister up um I think in this in this uh we had this question in in New Mexico and I think people would say like Cody myself. People was like, oh, we, we, you know, we need somebody responsible, you know, committed. And I think that was that was Just Cody class, myself. Dude. Exactly, exactly. Okay, that's. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you get away with that one. Um, number four, this guy has absolutely no rhythm. Who cannot dance? Ah, mm. oh, this is a tough one too. Uh, I'll say Jeremy Kelly from from, from this this year Phoenix Rising. Really, he's kind of like you know I I don't I don't see him dancing. I don't see him dancing at all. So uh, I'll say him. <laughs> I mean, it's obviously you have such a high caliber that these guys have to measure up to. It's almost not fair. <laughs> not really. I'm not. I'm not good with my salsa. You would expect I was a better dancer, but not, not really. <laughs> I love it. All right. Final question here. Number five, you're deserted on an island and there's only one teammate that you can have with you there. Who's it going to be? Nah, I'll bring John. I'll bring John. It's, it's always a uh, John Baccaro. Is that based on like survival mode or in a like, all right, we've got 10 it's days. Just I'm going to have to It's just entertainment mode, not yeah. survival. I, I will probably die second day. But it just at, at least we'll we'll have a good time while we are, we are at it. <laughs> I, that's the, 
I think probably the best answer to, to any of the questions we've gotten yet. <laughs> <laughs> we've gotten yet all right Santi such a good sport I think some of the guys are gonna have questions after this one though um <laughs> appreciate you taking part let's get to, to the good stuff here so Phoenix has struggled on Sacramento's home turf in in club history so you guys go there this weekend you grab that first win at Sacramento first one in club history what do you think was the difference this time around for the club well, we knew uh, it was going to be so difficult as, as it was. Uh, the coaches knew that. And our game plan was to be patient, you know, not try not to make a lot of mistakes and, you know, hoping we get a chance or two chances to to get a, a goal. And I think most of the credit goes to, to how compact we were defensively, how well uh, as a team we worked and, you know, made sure they didn't get on uh, get a goal in the first half, especially when they had some some changes. And after that, I mean we, you know, the the team created a really good chance starting from from Musa, uh, Ryan Flood, Aiden Quinn, and then solo with his, you know, creativity finding the ball on top of the box to to finish it off. I think it was a, a team effort and and it really worked. But you know, we, we are gonna face Sacramento three more times this year. So it's gonna be it's going to be difficult, and we saw that this weekend. Santi, you fire off like four or five high-caliber, talented dudes right there. And these are guys that in the middle and, and especially on the attack, you get to play with on, on a day-to-day basis. Are there any kind of pinch-me moments to think that like you're in an organization and an attack that is so talented and often anyone feels like they can be kind of called upon? No, I mean, it's so much, so much fun to be – training and playing every single day with, with these guys. Uh, the quality in every session is, is high, and, I mean, we love it as a, as a, as a player. Uh, but I think all the credit has to go to the ownership and the, you know, the coaching staff for assembling this great group of, group of players for, for the last three, four years. They've been doing an amazing job doing that, and, and for us, it's just you know, great to be part of these organizations. You had the lone goal in Saturday's matchup against Sacramento. That's six in case you're counting in a, in a row now uh, that you found yourself on the score sheet. What's working for you right now? You're obviously feeling good. Things are kind of gelling in that attack. Yeah, sometimes you need that, you know, that extra confidence, that extra momentum when you, you know, try to score goals. And right now they're coming my way. But I don't know. It's just... I just, I'm just happy I'm getting minutes. I'm getting consistency uh, in the attack for this great team. And the goals are coming right now. And probably, you know, later in the season, they will not come. So I just got to enjoy the, the moment right now and, and help the team. So modest. Do you feel a difference when you think about the way that you guys are gelling this year in the attack compared to, to last year? No, I think last year with Junior, in our team, we also had a great attack and yeah. we scored a lot of goals. So this was never a problem for Phoenix Rising. And, and right <laughs> now, it's, it's no different. So Phoenix is in such an interesting position because I think as a team, it seems like year in and year out, you're even more of a favorite than you were in, in years prior. Do you guys kind of welcome that pressure? Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, we know... Uh, I mean, everybody expects us to be over there and, 
you know, in a difference with other teams that I was part of right here, like it's, we, we love to have that target on our backs and we love to, to be on that spot and having that expectation. So, you know, now, now that you are part of, of this team, now, you know, the expectation is, is to be on the top all the time. And obviously we enjoy when things are going well, but, you know, when the, you know, things are not going as well, then we, it's an extra pressure, that's for sure. You're accustomed to Phoenix at this point. You're, you, you've got kind of that, that sun under you, that, that desert heat feel. What do you love most about playing for, for Phoenix Rising FC? I don't know. The weather is obviously a, a great part because it's, it's always sunny outside. And obviously right now in the summer, you get a little hot. But um, I don't know. The, the passion for football for soccer in this in this region is is super super high and the fans uh, especially like latin community they are always supporting they are always always there so i really enjoy that uh, about phoenix and i don't know it's a it's a very you know comfortable city to live in the passion of the fan base that's uh nothing to speak lightly about there's i think if there's anything to say about that phoenix community it's that those fans are passionate and we see it at every single game that that mm-hmm. phoenix comes on the tv yeah that's awesome it's awesome it makes such a difference when when they are you know in the stadium compared to last year that we couldn't have them right now uh, i think we go to full full capacity this weekend so it'll be interesting to see how that feels Oh, it's got to be a long time coming too. in that new stadium, full capacity, a year and a half plus in the making. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Going to be a good one, Santi. As always, it's great getting to chat with you. All eyes now on, on tally number seven in week seven. Uh, thanks so much for stopping by. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And hopefully let's see. Let's see how it goes. <laughs> Welcome back into Steal Some Time, Santi Moar. What a pleasure to have him on the pod. Great dude. Um, That was a really telling interview, Scott. I I don't know how your feedback kind of coming out of that, but I felt like Santi is one of the most respectful, like genuine dudes who will give credit to anybody else but himself. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's, he is um, clearly somebody who doesn't take himself too seriously, which is great because you kind of need that. Um, But I think that he just seems like a very natural fit for some of those Phoenix guys, right? Like kind of playful, you know, they, they take the game very seriously, but like they're, they would be genuinely like good dudes to be around. Like you would enjoy being at training on a Tuesday afternoon. Um, maybe not so much after a loss in the locker room, but like for sure after a win. So yeah, I think he's, I think he's great. He's fantastic. You saw that in the superlatives too. Like it, it didn't take him very long to have answers ready for those, which I felt like was super telling. Um, and makes me kind of paint a picture of what that locker room looks like. Yeah. I think he, he knows his teammates well. Uh, Yeah. And I love the fact that he was just like, oh, yeah, for sure, John. Like, we would die on day <laughs> <We would die. laughs> But for sure, John. Like, hey, know your role. Stay in your lane. And then just, just enjoy the time you're here. 
This dude's living life to the fullest. That's exactly what's happening here. No question on that. I love that. Um, let's get into our social moment of the week then, Scott. Taking um, a, a sidestep to, to soccer, not completely um, because this person does have a stake in um, the, the industry, but want to talk about Naomi Osaka um, a little bit here as um, some controversy or however you want to really paraphrase it comes out of, of the French Open this week. So for those of you who aren't aware, Naomi Osaka, number two uh, tennis player in the world at the moment, also has a stake in the North Carolina Courage, so very well-versed um, following suit. I feel like what we're seeing with a lot of, of, of athletes investing in the, the soccer space. So she came out um, a, a few days ago, said that she wasn't going to speak into the press at the French Open, which is one of um, the, the four slams of the year and was going to take a fine um, for that. And then about 24 to 48 hours later, comes back and actually makes a, a statement on Twitter and withdraws from the French Open completely, states uh, mental health as her reasoning. And then it just blows up. She gets support from Stephen Curry, Russell Wilson, um, number of WNBA stars, just to name a few. So I think what we're seeing out of this is now a conversation sparking. So I thought this was a, a good opportunity for you and I, Scott, as people who are in the in the journalism space um, and, and get our, our perspective on it for, you know, just to kind of paraphrase her um, tweet for her. She just feels like a super introverted person. The pressers are not something that she enjoys. It makes her uncomfortable, makes her doubt herself um, and feels like she needs to take a break from the game to check her mental health first, which I applaud. I think that's a, an incredible um, act, especially when you look at the French Open not being played last year. So um, I think that's it's that makes a statement in itself, but I think it poses a question, Scott. It, is there a change to be made in the sports landscape when it comes to media availability, whether that's allowing more time um, in between maybe a loss or a win to speak to the press or, or the media after said game or match? Um, or is there a restructuring that needs to happen altogether? No, it's a good question. I think um, on the one hand, I definitely understand the media saying, you know, like we need to speak with this person. Yeah. Like we want yeah. to hear from them, especially somebody of her stature, who is like one of the greats of the game right now. You know, I read Serena Williams's defense of Naomi um, and I, I loved, she had basically just said like, at the end of the day, I get up here and I answer your questions because I know that none of you could hold a candle to me. Like none of you have ever swung a racket at a level like mine in my I think life. That was Venus, but yeah. Venus, yeah, Venus. Yeah, yeah. She was like, none of you have ever like held a racket at the level that I'm at yeah. in your life. So like, I'll answer your questions. Um, I do definitely think that there there could be more space for less like immediacy in post-match stuff just because there's a lot of emotion swirling, both good and bad. And I think a lot of times, you know, we make mistakes when we're not composed. We make mistakes when we don't have time to actually process what we're going through. Um, so, yeah, I think that there's, there's a conversation, but I'll, I will say I would love to hear from Naomi, not at the expense of Naomi. So only to the degree in which she's comfortable, only to the degree in which she feels, you know, strong. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think that this creates a culture of like coddling athletes, but I do think that, you know, in training them how to best, you know, address and approach situations like that, we work with them to sort of bring them to the level or the standard or the expectation 
rather than doing what the French Open does, which is just like, well, we're just going to fine you if you're not able to do this. And then she's like, well, fine, I'll just leave. We're in a, we're in an athlete based culture now. We're not in a, we're not answering to the French Open. We're answering to Naomi Osaka. So I mean, it's the famous quote of all time. I'm just here so I don't get fined, right? Yeah. Um, and so I mean, I just I don't think this is just a tennis conversation. I think this is across the board, and no. maybe like a, a first step to that is a cooling down period. You know, and Russell maybe. Westbrook does this like every single. People get mad at him all the time because he'll give like one word answers, and it's like, yeah. well, one, don't ask stupid questions, and two, don't like poke and prod these people, right? Yeah. Like. If you are intentionally bringing questions that will provoke an emotional response, do not be surprised if the person in front of you shuts down. Like, I mean, like, if I'm losing game seven and you have a mic in my face in the locker room when I'm trying to change, I'm going to be pissed. Yeah, like, Russ, what went wrong? We lost. What else do you think went wrong? Like, yeah, yeah. I'm not in so, the headspace to be taking that on. I think it poses a really cool conversation and an opportunity for, for our space. I mean, I will say like there is a need for what we do. And I say we as the, you know, journalists, PR media community as a whole. Um, I, I think that that is vital to putting on these events and generating um, entertainment for, for, for the events. So, so there's definitely the need. I think that, you know, maybe we just take a step back and figure out what needs to be done. Um, and granted, like we're not on the inside here. We don't know what the communication's been like with Naomi and the WTA. If she, you know, reached out to them prior, what this looks like. Um, but I think from a larger conversation standpoint, I think it pegs a, a good opportunity for a, a lot of our, you know, big five, big six leagues to, to, to have a, a conversation amongst themselves and, and the leaders. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, and we even see it at, at this level of players who they're just not naturally inclined to do this stuff. Yeah. And, and we're not going to like force somebody to answer questions in front of a microphone, you know, like I, I've dealt with players in the past, like really, really high level players, players who you would think would be like media darlings, who just it's just not their thing. Thing. Yeah. There are ways to work around it. There are ways to provide them privacy where media is still getting what they need and you're not like forcing them to go out in front of a crowd. Like there are workarounds. It's just about whether or not the league or the entity or the organization, whatever actually wants to provide that opportunity. Well, you know that there's the argument of you, not you asked for this, but this comes with the job. You know, like you chose to be a professional athlete, you know, that media is a part of it together. This should not be a surprise to you. Like, do you yeah. think that's a fair argument? I don't. Cause unless yeah. it's in there, it, unless it's contractually obligated, like if, if, you know, Venus and Nike put it in her contract that she had to answer questions for Nike, then I think it's a different story. Yeah. I don't think, and I don't know, like you said, we're not on the inner workings of this. Right. I don't think when Naomi signed up for the French Open, she signed a piece of paper that said you must also fulfill media duties as a part of this. Could be wrong, could be, you know, completely correctable there. Um, but I just don't think that they owe us anything. They already are putting on a show, literally, for us by participating in this. And who doesn't want to see athletes of the highest caliber participate in competitions like this? Um, but as a journalist, you know, I could be at Lea Keep, I could be at one of the biggest French newspapers in the country, I could be at one of the biggest news organizations in the world. The athlete doesn't owe me anything other than maybe an acknowledgement of the question. You know what I mean? So we can't force these people 
to be doing this stuff. Um, I think in a, in a comparable situation, I look at what Kevin Durant said after the, the Celtics fan had thrown the bottle at Kyrie. Uh, we're not animals. This isn't a circus. You're not able to like trot us out and put us into to spaces that we want to be or that you want us to be in. Mm-hmm. Like they have just as much right to, you know, do things or don't do things just like anybody else. I love that. If you guys have uh, any any opinions, any ideas on the matter, please let us know at uh, I am Scott Stewart or at Kelsey J. Steele. Would love to, to continue the conversation over social for our social moment of the week. That being said, let's get into week seven. First and foremost, USL on ESPN this Thursday, June 3rd. Austin versus El Paso on ESPN. Deportes, that's going to be a good one. Looking forward to seeing how El Paso kind of continues this narrative. It feels like they're so um, behind because of that bye week, Scott. Like, I feel like we've seen so little of El Paso up to this point. Yeah, I mean, I even their game against SKC, too, I was like, I don't even know if I know who this team is. You yeah. know what I mean? Like they've, they've, they've got a lot of games to get going for sure, but this is a, this one is a good opportunity. I think Austin is still legit. I think Austin is still like in the obvious playoff contention conversation. Um, and it's, it's got the added effect of being a Copa Tejas game. So I think, you know, I don't know how much those players are like going out there thinking like, yeah, this is a big one for us. Um, but regardless, you're going to want to win this game. You're going to want to go to Austin, uh, Austin's a little bit more fresh because their game against Tacoma on Sunday night was postponed just due to the the large amounts of rain that they were getting. Um, so it'll be interesting. I'm excited to see how El Paso lines up and tries to tackle on a, on a shortened period, um, knowing that Austin's got a little bit more of a, of a fresher set of legs. But yeah, I just, I don't even know if I feel comfortable like making a real like here's who I think is going to win because I just don't know that I'm, I'm familiar and comfortable with El Paso right now. Okay. So time will tell. We'll, we'll see how that one shakes up um, uh, on Thursday night, 9 PM Eastern kickoff for, for those two clubs on ESPN Deportes. Let's look at the rest of the uh, week seven slate though. Is there a certain match that, that catches your attention right away? I think just like weirdly, um, we have like Miami RGV, which I think is just one. We have like Pittsburgh Austin on Sunday and both of those are on Sunday. So I think more, this is just like kind of a, kind of an odd week of games where I don't know if I'm looking at any one set and saying like, okay, this has like a massive potential to do something for this team or this like can help shape the the outlook of the division for another team. Um, I think Birmingham Tulsa is a good one just because the central division's tight right now with Indy and Tulsa and Birmingham all like in that conversation and Louisville obviously not far behind. Um, but I think that I would look at Charlotte Tampa Bay going to the other um, division in the Eastern Conference just because Charlotte obviously came up a little bit short against Miami, um, but they've still looked very good in their first few games. And I think that Tampa Bay, obviously, if there's one team that you're picking, it's the perfect start team, four for four. Um, So I think, yeah, I'm probably going to keep my eyes on that one on Saturday night, just because I think that this is maybe other than Phoenix, the Rowdies like highest potential of not getting just three points on on a Saturday night. 
Well, and you have Brandon Miller chasing that shutout record as well. So that's just an a easy storyline to keep an eye out for, for Charlotte throughout the entire season. And you love to see those type of records being set for, for a great guy. Um, so that's, I think that one's a big one. It'll be interesting to see kind of how Charlotte reshapes after that loss to Miami. That was a big win for Miami. They mm-hmm. needed that. Um, and I think, you know, from the other side, that was a really a, a a big win to come out of, of Miami a big team um effort too like I think this is something that Miami has really been working for and working out those those kinks so to come out with the win this past week over, over Charlotte who's been hot um is is a big one so interesting to kind of see if they do anything differently heading into Tampa Bay um you're obviously going to have to be aggressive uh, against that um Tampa defense so I think coming in hot is something that Charlotte's going to need to look um to do the other one that's really catching my eye Scott said Birmingham Tulsa game mm-hmm. in the, the central division Birmingham's currently leading the division right now but these are, are, are is a matchup that could go either way at this point yeah absolutely I think Birmingham um they've looked good but they haven't looked like complete if that makes sense yeah and I feel that way about Tulsa yeah yeah I think that Birmingham has done really really well to like put themselves out there. I think the San Antonio loss is probably hurting them a little bit, but obviously that's not like they're not going to die on that hill. Um, Tulsa, I think outside of that Atlanta game has been incredibly impressive, right? I mean, they've, they've got good wins on the season and I'm not just talking OKC, like the win over Indy is big for them. Um, But I do think that Birmingham is going to be just as difficult to test as Indy was. Obviously Tulsa was able to go to Indy, now they just have to hope they can go to Birmingham and just do the exact same thing. So I know that one, um, that one is going to draw a lot of, that's just a nice like Sunday, almost nightcap for us as soccer yeah. fans after a big weekend. And finally, we've talked a little bit about Phoenix and San Diego, but I do want to hear from you. What do you think San Diego needs to do differently this time around to, to stand a chance? Or do you think that there's really not a lot of changes that can be made with the, the, the heat that we're seeing from this Phoenix side right now? Yeah, I mean, you've obviously got to look at your your previous um, game against Phoenix, right? Knowing that you probably weren't 100%, like all the gears turning seamlessly on that one. I think that, you know, your biggest, and it's so difficult because there are just so many different avenues Phoenix is able to take from an attacking standpoint, right? They've got so many pieces that contribute um, in different areas. I think controlling distribution is going to be a big one. I don't necessarily think that that equates to having a large amount of possession because I think we've all seen that Phoenix on a dime can take a counterattack and you're in a a world of hurt. Mm -hmm. But I do think that that means stopping Aiden Quinn's distribution. I think like really closing down the midfield and making sure that the forwards are fed as little as possible. So that means being compact defensively. You're obviously probably going to have a little bit more of a man marking mentality. Um, but San Diego has got to be ready to go. Like you, we saw one of the biggest things about that game in, in particular was they were not able to bury their chances. And I think that San Diego would say their season as a whole, they've created enough chances to get some results. They haven't taken all of them and that's why they're in the position that they are. So, you know, when the opportunity comes for Corey Herzog, you've got to trust that he's going to be able to bury it, but not letting Phoenix and this is obviously a very long-winded answer, you can't let Phoenix score twice in quick succession either because that is another thing Phoenix does really, really well is they'll get on the board 
And before you even caught your breath, they've scored again. And now you're two down. And depending on when it comes, you obviously have a better or worse chance of creating a comeback. But I think, I think the fact that this answer has been as long as it is, just <laughs> San Diego has their work cut out for them this weekend. It's an easy theme to stick with here then, Scott. Buy or sell that Santi Moore is going to have goal number seven. Yeah, I'll buy it. I really will. Um, and if he doesn't, I don't think he'll care at all because yeah. I think that um, they'll get three points on Saturday. Um, I just think that Santi will be one of the um, one of the contributing factors. He's hungry, that's for sure. Uh, and, of course, appreciate Santi stopping by the show today. Clay, We we've, it's time for the question of the week. Let's uh, wrap the show up today. All right, I hope you're ready for this, Kelsey. I'm excited. So, you know, it was Memorial Day last weekend, and, you know, great holiday to grill out. It's kind of like the unofficial kickoff of summer. And mm -hmm. so my friends and I were talking about, because, you know, you get burgers, you get brats, hot dogs, kind of like a all-American food type of vibe. So we were talking about, like, all the different types of ethnicities and their food. And so here's the question. You can only keep two out of these three, Mexican food, Asian food, or Italian food. I know what I would do, but Kelsey, I know Scott knows his answer already. Kelsey, you go first. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's actually pretty easy for me too. I'd kill off Italian food pretty quickly. Um, I'd, I'd keep Asian food and um, Mexican food. Oh my God, Scott's so upset. Listen, I... Uh, I'll be honest, like the bread and pasta doesn't do a lot for me. Like, I feel like I can just endlessly eat that, which about is the wine, not good for me. Okay. You can't characterize wine into just Italian food. Also, you said no, food. I don't. Don't do that to me. Don't do that to me. Okay. Eat Italian food without wine. I thought that was kind of implied. I can just have the wine with other meals and just incorporate it whenever I can. Let's be real. Fair. True. Um, True. Yeah. So, so that one's a really easy one. I'm not a, a massive, I mean, I love Italian food, but like Mexican food is life. Like that's, I could eat everything um, on, on the, the Mexican um, radar. And then I, I love, I love sushi. I love pad thai. I love, um, I love pho. Like I, I really love um, everything that comes with um, the Asian food scene. So um Obviously, Scott disagrees. So, Scott? Dude, I'm just crushed for you right now. Like, poor, your poor spirit. Um, oh I would keep, I would for sure keep Italian food. I think you just get so many different, and I am a big pasta guy, so I'll say okay. that. You just get so many different combinations. Like, the, it's literally almost, it feels like endless sometimes. Um, but lasagna is one of my favorite foods. So, okay. I well. know that, like, there's no way I could do that. Um, and I'm in full agreement. Mexican food is life. Burrito bowls, tacos, burritos, like whatever it is, like I've got to keep it. I love sushi, which was the only part of this that made this really difficult. Um, I also love Vietnamese. Like I think going for a, like a tofu rice bowl is right up my alley as well. Um, but I just think it just, it's a close third, but it's just, it just doesn't quite get over the line for me compared to the other two. So I'm, I'm sorry, um, Chinese buffets that I frequent so much, but if it came down to it, I would choose like the green lemons of the world and I would choose um, Italian food basically all the time. I just, Clay, right up our alley. Like uh, you pose a, a food question, like you're going to get the most yeah. passionate answers out of the both of us. So well done. Yeah. I figured. <laughs> I love it. All right. So 
we'll beg to differ on that one, um, uh, Stu, but I under, I understand if you frequent pasta, that changes the game completely. um, Scott, not to add, you know, insult to injury, but I would also kill off Italian. Yeah, man, that's just wrong. That's just, is not the right choice, but that's okay. Like that's why we all live different lives. Listen, and we don't we don't have to live in a world without all three. And I think that's that's the big win out of this one. Uh, so for Kelsey Steele, Scott Stewart, week seven is underway. Thanks for tuning in to Steal Some Time. We'll catch you guys next week.